Hello and welcome to the Comics Pals Book Club. I am your host, Sean, joined by all the pals. I have Marco. Hello. Tyler. I'm sort of here. Yeah. (laughs) And Kale. What's up, hot dogs? We're here to talk about Flashpoint. In honor of the Flash movie being released, we thought we would come and talk to you guys about, well, we didn't think it, frankly. Our patrons voted it. Uh, Our patrons voted for this book. It makes sense. It is a tie-in, sort of loosely, to the movie that we will be seeing shortly. So we will be talking about Flashpoint by Jeff Johns, uh, with art by Andy Kubert, inks by Sandra Hope, uh, inks by Sandra Hope and Jesse Delperdan, colors by Alex and Claire, and letters or letters by Nick Napolitano. Now I don't know where you guys were uh, circa 2011 when this book came out, but I was a pretty pretty fresh new DC reader. I think by the standard of the amount of time that people generally read comics, I was only reading DC for like three years. So I didn't really know much. And the only thing I really knew about the flash was that he was fast. And there were a few of them, but I didn't really know who was who I couldn't have told you the difference between Wally and Barry. So when flash Barry came back and flashpoint, I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. A, a, a fast guy, another fast guy. Um, and I had no connection to the character. So by the time flashpoint rolled around in summer of 2011, I can assure you that I did not care. Um, But Flashpoint is a a pretty important book Uh, in several ways, actually. It serves several functions. It was DC's summer event in 2011. It serves as the culmination of Jeff Johns' run on The Flash that started in 2009 with Flash Rebirth and continued in Flash Volume 3 from 2010. And it's the end of the post-crisis DC universe and the lead into the New 52. So this book was doing a lot and it had a lot of ground to cover in just five issues. So speaking of covering ground, we're going to jump right into it. I want to hear from you guys, especially Kale and Tyler, who I know were more connected at the time, what your feelings were going into Flashpoint. Kale, start me up. Uh, yeah, very opposite of you. I uh, was deep in my comics history uh, at that point. Um, I, st- I started reading... Uh, regularly in middle school, which would have been early 2000s. Mm. So, you know, by the time I got here, um, I was, you know, uh, well, well versed in the flashes and the flash history. And there used to be a, um, and it might still be around, there used to be a website called um, hyperborea.org, which was like a compendium of every flash and every character and uh cool flash wallpapers and stuff and i would it was it was an you know early internet wikipedia for the flash and i would study that thing um it was rad um so i was in college when flashpoint came around and uh i hated it <laughs> um i didn't like the story. I didn't like uh, what the rumors were leading us to uh, because I, I like the world I lived in. What, what are we changing it for? Right. Um, so that's, that's the basis of my history. I have, I have a lot of character issues with 
uh uh the story itself but we can we can get into that as we uh as we progress uh for me and again apologies for my voice here but uh i was this would have been right after i graduated high school so i was i was really into uh completionist kind of stuff uh I, I wanted to read every single issue of whatever I wanted. So when Flashpoint came out and they were, they were like, hey, all the books are stopping. We're going to relaunch it's this Flashpoint event with all these other kind of maybe two or three issue miniseries and stuff. Um, I was really into the idea of it. <laughs> um, mm. I remember, and, and honestly, rereading this, I did have trouble kind of separating that uh, in my head um, because re- reading this as a, as a whole just feels very incomplete uh, compared to what I know mm. or, or what I remember. Um, so uh, I remember uh, it was hit or miss for me, really. Uh, I thought the, uh, you know, the main Flashpoint story I thought was uh, kind of hollow, I, I remember feeling. Um, where it was just kind of running through stuff too quickly and you couldn't really <laughs> get your footing at all. And I know this sounds like a flash pun, but I don't really mean it to be. Um, but I remember there being a lot of good stuff within that, like the Thomas Wayne uh, book, the, the Deathstroke pirate book was pretty good too, from what I remembered. I know, Sean, sorry. Pirates. Trinity yeah. there. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so reading this like in, in and of itself, it was was very interesting for me um, it, as this reread because I haven't read this since it first came out. Um, but yeah, this was kind of like in my in my real like I'm going to spend way too much money on this hobby phase of of my collecting. Yeah. So yeah, Marco, you have no familiarity with this, do you? No. Um... Only the stuff that came right out of this, which is 2011, I jumped onto comics into New 52. So it's interesting to hear the the sort of reservations for the new world because I was uh, I started in that New 52 era, and that to me was just like so much fun. And so um, it's an interesting take. Yeah, I think um, you know we can spend a little bit of time talking about that. Uh, I remember having a lot of reservation. I felt like, hey, I just started reading DC. Why is it just ending? This is ridiculous. And I didn't know from that. I I didn't know that DC would just kind of do this. Although there had been a long stretch of time between, um, you know, post-Crisis on Infinite Earths, DC, and this. That that was 20-something years. It was like 25 years. So, um, you know, this was a shock to the system. For a lot of people, especially those who are around the ages of Kale, myself, and Tyler, who are a little bit younger and just probably finding our footing like I was, even though Kale says he was well-versed, like, you know, even then, Kale only got to read these these stories for, what, under a decade yeah. before the before the relaunch? So yeah. that's a little scary. Um, and I know I had trepidation about this story um, because I didn't care about The Flash. Now, one of the interesting things about this book is that it's a five-issue story that unfolds over three months. Um, It unfolded over uh, June, July, and August. Um, Or, excuse me, four months, because it started in May. Um, So it's not, it didn't take up too much of DC's time. 
and they stopped the whole publication line, as someone mentioned earlier, and they put out, you know, short mini series that, you know, tie in books to the main event itself. But uh, I feel and I, we can start right out of the gate with this. I feel like this is a book that could have used a little bit more time, uh, a couple more issues, maybe, and a little more room to breathe. I'd, I'd go further and say this book could have been a good replacement to like uh, the fi- uh, 52 or brightest day, honestly, like the weekly book sort of thing for a year. Like, not that I really want to live in this world for a year, but you know, write it, write it to be, to be meant that way. You know what I mean? Um, I, yeah. I, I think to that, like wanting to exist, I would have liked to have existed in this world because a bit more because it would have given it more stakes. Like we only get to see it really during these five issues and then that's kind of it. And you have to go to those tie-ins to really try to explore more. And so as I was reading this, um, I'm like, oh, okay, there's a lot of like context that is somewhat missing here. So I actually went back to read a few of the um, just solo series and that helped to fill in the blanks. But I think... Um, I, I think having had even some of those be part of the main story, make this like, you know, 12 issues or something, I, I think that would benefit, or at least more than five, I think would benefit the overall narrative. Uh, it would just give you more context, more information, but I think also it would resonate more emotionally with some of the characters that get lost, some of the deaths, and um, even some of the consequences that come out of this. So Flashpoint is a is a story that is, I mean, pretty much everyone kind of knows the basics of the story, right? Like everybody knows that this is a story about, you know, a mistake that Barry made that redid reality. Um, and if it pretty much at the middle of it is a is a war between Wonder Woman and Aquaman, who in this alternate universe hate each other and have a very personal vendetta, um, and they are utilizing their armies to go to war and it's a war that very likely will end the world and on top of that this world does not have the traditional host of superheroes uh it is a very reduced cast of characters across the board um and a lot of the more powerful characters that we're familiar with are actually off the table so as an example the most powerful or not the most powerful but the the most popular superhero is cyborg in this world um, and Batman is an urban legend. He's there, but you know they're not all the way sure. Like, is this even a guy? Like, what, you know, what's what's going on with this? Um, and that's really where things start. You know, Barry finds himself in this new world. He knows that something's wrong, but his mother is there. His mother being alive sort of disarms him from focusing too too much on the problem at hand. Um, But he quickly realizes that he needs to do something to change this world because the world that he used to live in is slipping away from him. And this ain't right. Um, I like that as a as a baseline table setting. I have no issue with that. I think the world that Jeff Johns created is interesting enough and the concept is interesting enough that it's been utilized multiple times in different adaptations um, in the Flash television show, the Flashpoint um, animated uh, uh, film where they, they recreated it. Um, we got the Flashpoint Beyond sequel. 
The Flash movie is based loosely on this. So Flashpoint has been utilized a lot of times across the board, and every time it's that same basic premise. However, this book, I'm not sure, utilizes that premise um, better than it's been used elsewhere, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, Shoot, I'd, I'd, I think, I haven't, you know, we haven't seen the, the movie yet, but I think the premise of the movie sounds even better. I, I don't like the fact that we don't discover that Barry is the one that causes this until the end. I think the weight of that is, is rife for emotional stakes. Hmm. That it's just a miss, it's a, it's a, it's a MacGuffin, is that the right term? Um, it's just really. a, it's like a mystery, really, as to yeah. why. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, why you know, like, why the world is like this? And I was like, oh, it's Barry. Like, I understand you want a twist, but I feel like knowing that he caused it would be better in my opinion. But yeah. yeah, and it it goes into my big problem with Barry uh, as he's come back at this point in in you know the history um so after his death in in crisis on infinite earths there were no one was ever supposed to bring barry back he was gene gray he was supposed to be untouchable yep um and that was like the gold standard for you know 20 some odd years so when jeff johns brings him back all of a sudden he's got this complex and not even complex he's got this um new revitalized origin about his parents being you know split up his dad being framed for his mother's murder and you know it's all fraught with his his parental relationships and i hate that because to me the flash was always that one person that was like it was an accident and he's a good guy so he does this and it just like you know it just added more to this pile of superheroes with parent you know parent issues and oh my parents are gone and now i have to save the world and flashpoint like made that a hundred times worse for me and now every single iteration of flashpoint is like rubbing my face in it that's interesting because it's worth pointing out that um you know kale's 100 right barry was supposed to be off the table uh forever that was the idea however uh dan didio actually spilled tea on this recently he talked about mm. the fact that um that plan or that that edict changed um when he got into power, obviously Jeanette Khan was gone and he was like, well, the movies want to be using Barry. That's the upcoming plan. The upcoming plan was for Barry Allen to be within the movie franchises for DC films. And there was no way that they were going to let the comic book flash be Wally while the film and animated and everything else was Barry. So they broke the rule and brought Barry back. However, Wally and Kale, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this is what I have learned. Wally was was molded uh, over years to kind of represent Barry in a way, to kind of be like Barry. Um, and he kind of became Barry in some ways. Well, it, he sort of became 
better than Barry. Right. In that he became a complex layered character in the way that Barry never really got the chance to. Right. You know, right. like Barry did some cool stuff, you know, um, he, he did go to the future and he, you know, got to mess with the, the Legion and uh, he found Iris in the future somehow and all that, you know, um, reverse flash stuff is all real cool and good, but he was still your average white guy superhero, you know? So then Wally takes over and it's your real first uh, sidekick stepping up into the role, you know, like in perpetuity. Yeah. And so, you know, this is where you get Mark Wade's run and Morrison and Millar and uh, Miller and, um, and, and even Jeff Johns. Uh, and so Wally, you know, had, 20 years, almost 20 years more history than Barry did. Yeah. That, 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 was, I think that's was, a point worth making. Oh, sorry, Tyler. Go ahead. And Wally was also the Flash in the J- Justice League cartoon. So, like, for kids growing yeah. up, like, it was my Wally was my Flash. I didn't know about Barry really growing up. So, uh, so I guess just to clear up some confusion on my end, was he was he brought back for this event partic- in particular, or was that stuff? Because this is also coming out of Rebirth stuff, right? No, this is Rebirth is a decade, almost a decade down the line. Um, yep. This is this is just regular old DC. This is post post uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths DC. Yep. Flash Rebirth yep. happened right before them. Yes, right. Yeah. And Flash Flash Rebirth happened in 2009, and that happened. That was the beginning of the bringing of Barry back for this, for the New 52, for the movies and things like that. So like I said earlier, yeah. Flashpoint has a lot of responsibilities. Um, and I think when you read it, to bring it back to the book, I think you can feel the gears kind of turning at times. And that is a problem with it. This is one of the, this is one of the events that I think is the greatest example of editorial and you know whatever else the, the powers that be having a lot of different needs that they need to meet and burying an event in those needs because when you read blackest night which is jeff johns's event directly prior to this that event feels um it feels more like it has the the things that you expect from a jeff johns book Really gripping dialogue, great character work, big moments, which I think this book has big moments. And I think this book soars really high when it does. And I think the evidence of that is in how many times some of these moments have been recreated, um, especially given how young this book is relative to a lot of other things. But it feels like it's weighed down by a lot of the stuff that um, that Jeff Johns was asked to do. Um. Let's let's start with let's start with some of the early beats. Like like we said earlier, uh, you know, quickly we're introduced to this new world. Quickly, you know, Barry wakes up and he's like, "Oh, I gotta go be the Flash," and he tries to run and he falls down the stairs, which I thought was a that was a a good moment. Um, Jeff letting us know that something is wrong through that, mm. um, letting us further know that something is wrong by Barry's mom being alive which only hits you if you know the character already. That's something that yeah. didn't work for me at all the first time around and worked for me more now. Mm, okay. 
that that did not work for me. I'm just like, okay, sure. It, I this is a lot of the first issue and a lot of the setup was just I'm accepting fact. I'm not. Right. It is not like being turned on its head. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It still didn't work for me here for the same reason it didn't work for me back then. It, the, uh, the, the, only... the the mother stuff, I guess. Yeah. Okay, because I was about to say the only twist for me was when Bruce turned out to be Thomas. And then I'm like, whoa, where's someplace else? Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, we get introduced to a more violent Batman here early on um, who seems to have more questionable morals, if you will, about superheroics than the Batman we're used to. You know, a gr- and this is such a great uh, example of Jeff John's skill where we see a, a kind of a normal thing, right? Batman just throwing someone off a roof, right? Like, mm. that sounds crazy, but how many times have we not seen him do that and then save the person, right? Like, he's always planning to save him. Just, just a little scare tactic. But in this issue, you know, John subverts our expectation by Cyborg being there to save her. If it wasn't for him, she'd be dead. So I thought that that was a great way to introduce this new Batman. And then, as Marco illustrated... Flip us by revealing that it's actually Thomas Wayne. That was a cool moment. It was a good beat. It was also a good way to introduce Cyborg as like I feel like that that pickup would have been either Flash or Superman, you know. And so like like it's like oh okay well, he's he's involved to some degree right. and he's also like positioned higher somehow. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Kale as a Teen Titans guy at the time. What did seeing Cyborg just suddenly have a starring role without any other Titans feel like? Because I remember when this came out, I was like, oh, Cyborg, interesting. Interesting choice there. For me, not a lot. No, you didn't smell anything weird? Like, why? There's like, no question. There was like, all right, it's just Cyborg. Well, you know, in events and Elseworld, things like this, you know, and, and we see it you know further on in flashpoint these guys come out of the woodworks you know mm. and now you know now knowing what i know it's them trying to elevate cyborg into the justice league right spoilers oh uh, <laughs> but you know the um his character in uh previously was in the teen titans and uh, I think it was Brad Meltzer's Justice League run, which sort of uh, happens post Infinite Crisis. Um, they they specifically mention that Cyborg, you know, has been with the Teen Titans. He's a grown up. Uh, he's well earned his spot as much as you know uh, Nightwing has on the Justice League if he wants it. So I there must have been talks for cyborg moving up um especially with the death of martian manhunter right around you know this same time as well hmm. so we we meet these characters cyborg and batman but it's it's almost it's it, it is immediate that we're introduced to what basically amounts to the resistance in this world, the, the the heroes and, you know, villains who don't want the world to end to the war between Wonder Woman and Aquaman. And, you know, it's kind of like, hey, if Batman's involved, we'll be there. 
Otherwise, we are down for this. That whole sequence is one of the examples. And, and, and again, it, it rears its head very, very early where I feel this book needed more room to breathe and where the tie-ins help. Because this is a ton of different characters who, if you're, you know, most people who read events, right, events always outsell other books. Why? Because people are drawn to it. They don't necessarily know anything else. They're just coming for the event. So somebody like me, especially at that time, who's three years deep into reading DC, I can't tell you at that time, if I'm being honest, I can't, I can only name one of these characters at that time. And that's Captain Cold. Out of everybody in this in this double page spread that I'm holding up right now, if you're watching this, I can only recognize Captain Cold. And that's not great, mm-hmm. but it's even worse because when you read through this, Johns is doing so much to try to give these characters recognizable, you know, personalities and make you kind of care about them. It feels like it's too much. And the the dialogue in the scenes reflects that because every line has too much responsibility. I even looked up some of the characters like a uh, blackout as I'm reading this uh, for, for the show. Yeah. Um, blackout. The guy who has the, the, I believe they're called shysties now. Am I right about that? Um, the, the, the ski mask ski mask. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I looked at him like, I'm like, Oh, I remember he had like a, he had like a mini series, something like that. And I looked at, I went on like comic vine, looked at the character and it's like, Oh, the comic vine wiki wasn't even up to date. Like they just stopped after, after his first issue. <laughs> right. It, it, it was a little, um, I, I usually come into these expecting not to know these people. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Like the fact that I knew Sandman and I knew, um, uh, oop, I'm blanking on his name. Look at that shit. Like uh, <laughs> the, the, the level of like deep cut. Some of these guys are is just not, Oh, shade. Um, and I think a lot of these tie-ins should have been part of the main story because they explain so much and give so much context. And and frankly, some of them were a lot of fun. Um, the, the ones in particular, like, uh, Wonder Woman and the Furies, where it goes through like how this started, why Aquaman and Wonder Woman even having the war in the first place, like you're just thrown into this environment and you're like expected to to just accept a lot of that and fine you can do that but um, i'm also somebody who likes to have a lot of context for these things and so um more so when you're you know fresh into these events and that would have been super helpful um the uh outsider book as well would have been really helpful because then you you start to understand like different factions and then how these guys play into that why there even was a war and the catalyst involved so i think that was probably one of the detriments of this book being so short was that if you're not reading those tie-ins, then you know, you're know you maybe lost for context. And then you don't even know where to start for some of these because you don't know how some of them ultimately tie into the book and whether or not they're just kind of fluff. And, and I think it's one of the issues of the book too is is stakes. Um, even Barry deals with it in the book. It's like, all right, where do, I, where do we want our stakes to be? Do we want to be with Barry and, and erasing this world or saving it? Because even he flip-flops back and forth a bit. And you know, Thomas has to like, correct them like no 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 erase this world get back to the other one you know um so it's like he introduced all these characters and these like and you hint at dynamics and you hint at backstory but like do i care you're not really i'm not sure you're making me care in this and this book by itself you know 
should I know to care is the other thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because if I want, I, I wanted to go back to some of these. I'm like, oh, but who would I actually need to like? Do I really need to read this Gorilla Grodd book? It's good. It's a good title, but like they show to... up at the very last minute in a panel, and, and it's I was like, like, wait, wait what? Why? That was uh, uh. <laughs> why did I read that 22 page book? Yeah. Well, and and the other thing too is you know you've got to remember this came out in a four month span mm. that no, I think uh, was. Even like, you know, if you think about it as they were like merging the universes or whatever, Justice League was the first book that came out, as I recall, and it came out while Flashpoint was still happening. No way. So I believe you're right. Yeah, I believe you're right. So the the end of Flashpoint at best led right into uh justice league if you went to the shop and picked it up but you know at the end you're still holding a book with a flash on the cover right like even if you went to the store what are the stakes right well i mean even at the end of it right like it doesn't even help to lead into the the justice league like like now now that you guys are saying that like now, now it, the end doesn't make as much. It doesn't have enough power or as much power to really lead into the new Fifty Two. If this was supposed to yeah, be just, the launch point, I just fact checked it. Uh, uh, issue five came out the same day as Justice League number one, so it, New Fifty Two okay. launched the same day Flashpoint came out, and we have we had already gotten solicitations and like those previews catalogs yeah. with all the new number ones and all that at that point. So. Yeah, the ball was already rolling. So, the other thing with these characters is like, we know from interviewing Jeff that he loves um, like like D-list characters. And he's putting that on full display in this. I think most of the time, you would inc- you would take... Most of the time, a writer would, in my mind, for an event like this, take characters we know and flip them. What what he did with Batman, what he does with Wonder Woman and Aquaman is what we would see for a lot of characters. And that would solve the problem of us saying, A, who are they? And B, why do I care about them? You know, if Zatanna's on the page or if Constantine's there or, you know, other people, right? Then we go, okay, well, I don't know what's going on, but I know how, you know, Starfire and Nightwing feel about each other. But then Jeff Johns flips it and says, well, you think you know how they feel about each other, but what about this? And that can be some of the intrigue. Um, and, and that's lacking. So I, I did have a bit of a problem with that as well. These characters end up feeling sort of like fodder and basically irrelevant because we don't care about them. And you never really do. The only one I, I sort of cared for was Element Woman down the line and the Shazam kids. And even the Shazam kids were a lot. Yeah. yeah. Very Alan Moore ending to the uh, Shazam kids storyline and in, in flashpoint. <laughs> did, um, did they, was the thing that they would all become Shazam versus yeah, each yeah. individual. Oh yeah. They became yep. Captain Thunder, which I think yeah. is right. an alternate. It, there is an established lore that it's an alternate universe Shazam. Um, Shazam's backstory is convoluted. Well, well, that makes sense because Mazis 
is Shazam backwards from the New Fifty Two. Yeah. Um. The like the Alexander Luthor or whatever, right? Isn't that him? So he's uh he's a Shazam from another universe as well, and there's a different activation clause for him. So I think that's kind of interesting. That's like they all cool. have. Yeah. Yeah. That was sick. Um. I, I like it better when he's in the suit. And he talks. <laughs> fair enough but uh the other thing that this issue suffers from is the fact that we don't breathe with it and i'm going to keep going back to this problem we don't get to see much of barry just sitting with his mom you know he hasn't he hasn't seen his mother in at least a year i think the book tries to say that or somewhat something I read suggested it's been a year since his mother died. Um, so he hasn't seen his mother in a long time. It's a, a year since he found out Thawne was the one who killed his mother. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay. A year since he found out. All right, cool. So he hasn't seen his mother in a long time. He sees her here, he's very happy, but that isn't that doesn't really go anywhere. It gets right into the superheroics, the heart of the book. Um, is really his relationship with his mother, and that takes a lot of a ba- a lot of a backseat. And I think that's a problem because the emotional core is not really center stage. Um, but I guess I guess how can you deal with that at the same time? Do we really want a million scenes of Barry strolling in the park with his mom? I mean, no. I'd read that book. I think I would too, and I think Jeff Johns would write the heck out of it. I think, yeah. I think decompressing this would have helped a lot. To your point, like you know, we we talked to Jeff about um, you know the the little character moments. Uh, for example, in um, the one that comes to mind immediately is um, the robot book. Help me! Oh, Junkyard Joe. Junkyard Joe. Uh, <laughs> Android Andy, why can't I find this? Um, <laughs> the uh, you know he he takes the uh, he uses the the camera in his panel descriptions to to give little you know extra reactions so that we can see what the characters are saying or aren't saying you know to see reactions and and motives and and things like that. You get very little of that in Flashpoint. And what you do get, it really feels like Jeff has to work for it. Yeah, I know what you mean. And again, it's just like when you only have five issues, um, page and panel space is limited. Yeah. And so when you've heard a writer explain their process and you know the hallmarks to look for and you read a book and you see that they're not there, that they're minimally, there's probably a reason for that. Like (laughs) Hal dies in this off screen. And Barry gets a panel to react. Right. Yeah. It's his best friend. Like, it would be so much more than that. A relationship very well explored in Blackest Night. Yeah. Yep. Um, So before we move too far forward, I do want to talk a little bit more about Thomas Wayne's Batman. Very iconic um, look and design. The red eyes. You know, the different uh, cowl, cape and cowl. I despised this turn when I first read this. Um, 
at the time I was like, wait a second, Thomas Wayne owns casinos. Thomas Wayne is a, is down to like kill people. Uh, I don't want this. I couldn't, I couldn't grasp that. I couldn't, I couldn't get with that. Um, my opinion has changed a lot since then. Part of that is because we've seen the character come around more. And I really liked what Tom King did with this version of Thomas in Batman. I also really liked Flashpoint Beyond's version of the character, which uh, came out last year. And so my opinion of this version of Thomas has changed. I really, really, really like the character. And I like him here. He's the only person who's complicated. Mm. It feels like he's the one with the emotional, um, you know, twist and turn. It feels like his feelings are the the feelings that the books turn that the book turns on. The other characters won't help unless Batman's involved. At first, Batman doesn't care about this at all. And he's like, hey, I don't know who you are. You seem crazy, you know, to the Flash. And I want nothing to do with this. It's not really until he mentions Bruce Wayne and the fact that in Barry's timeline, it's Bruce that lives and Thomas that dies, where Thomas's mind changes and he's more willing to help with this. He's not fully convinced, but he's willing. He thinks there might be something to this madness. That's where the intrigue comes from. Whenever Thomas uh, straps Flash up to that chair and shocks him that moment is insane it's iconic but it's it's again it's really batman's willingness to help that leads to that uh, it's also that's uh, so you know thomas wayne's a good batman when he uh manages to take all the spotlight for himself just like a real batman would in yeah. any event <laughs> yeah you know, worked out yeah, I think that would have been a critique is that when he gets involved, it feels like it becomes a Batman book a little bit. Like he becomes a lot of, like, yes, this is a surrounding his uh, uh, Barry's story, but he becomes that driver, that a driving force for a lot of what ends up happening in the end game and even like parts in the middle. Like, yeah, he helps him get his powers back, um, but that's all that's all in part because Batman's there. Otherwise we wouldn't be even be having that part of the conversation. So I think, I don't know. I had mixed feelings on, on Batman as, as a character. I think the violent aspect, cool. Like, yeah, he's different in that way, but I don't know that I even cared for, you know, go, go, go give this back to Bruce. And like, it's, it, it didn't, it didn't necessarily work for me. I I didn't have that emotional connection with him. I'll return to my thoughts on that on that piece later on. But go ahead, Gil. Um, I, I guess I'm mostly curious. Had you read the um, uh, Sean? Had you read the uh, the Batman stuff surrounding Thomas back then in Flashpoint? The tie-ins. Um, yeah. The no. Batman origin. Oh, okay. No, because I I really really did not like this character. Yeah, they're uh, the one good thing that came out of this book. And that was uh, that was Brian Azzarello, was it not? I think it was. Oh, I don't know. Was it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, believe, it's very so, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I, that's something that I wish I had gone back and read for this. Um, I probably will take the time to do that now. But yeah, I have never read that. 
I think you you will really enjoy it. Yeah, it might be Riso on art too, if I'm mistaken. Yes, I think that's correct. I think that's correct. Okay, I won't I won't spoil the twist of that book. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, they, I almost just did too, actually. It wouldn't bother me. I mean, that is you know, a, well over a decade old at this point. Well, listen, we'll save you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so issue two really continues things. We see a lot more, you know, characters in different ways than we're used to. Deathstroke's a pirate, you know. Um, That's cool. Wonder Woman uses the lasso of truth on Steve Trevor. I was not really a fan of the the redesign for Wonder Woman here. Um, what didn't the work for me? Yeah, I dug that. It made her made her feel more like a warrior. You know, she's like coming in, going into battle. But you don't even get to see her do too much in the main series. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was it, it was this, and then right into the new Fifty Two Wonder Woman design, which I also disliked. So it's just like, oh my goodness, please, <laughs> for the love of goodness. Um, that's another thing that we should talk about. This book serves; it, it's the last story of the DC universe as we knew it at the time. So as much as it's a flashbook, it's it's also the finale. The fact that the finale of the DC universe features very, very, very precious little of the characters that people care about and none except the Flash of them in the way we're used to is very disappointing. And it it's even it's made even worse by the fact that you have to be following 50 different tie-ins if you want your character. Sure. If you want to know what's going on with Aquaman and Wonder Woman, you've got to be following their books. Uh, I think now that now that you frame it that way, this feels. I think someone said it earlier, but like a bit hollow in that case. Like the the stakes aren't worth this cataclysmic end to the DC universe. The um, the players involved, like yeah, they're alternate versions, or uh, but they're not. They don't have these big like. Now, this is the kind of stuff that you'll see like Spectre come out or something. Like if the whole DC universe is about to change or something, like my man's coming out and he's spilling whatever prophecies. Constantine usually is involved in these kind of things. And so uh, I think to that end, yeah, this feels a bit flatter. Mm. Yeah, especially as a sort of a, a swan song. You know, you would think you would get to see Superman's final heroic act. You know, you would get to see Wonder Woman in all her glory, and that's not what we get. We actually get... I don't mind Project Superman um, as a concept. I was kind of into it, but you get Wonder Woman and Aquaman arguably at their worst. You know, so if you're a fan of one of those characters, like, you know, even if you read the tie-in, they're still not the version you know and love, and they don't even feel like that character so that's frustrating and, and there's is- no space for nuance there's no room for jeff johns to do interesting things with these characters and say well yeah wonder woman sucks but here's that kernel of the character that you know and love and here's why she's so different and here's why you should care about her war with aquaman that's not here and i don't care who wrote it otherwise 
I want to read it from Jeff Johns. It's a good point, Sean, because like there really were, was no send off to pre New Fifty Two. You know, we still had yep. Dick Grayson as Batman at that point. You know, uh, yep. Superman was walking around the country. You know, oh god, that, I think that might have been the last run before it rebooted. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it, kind of wild. Yeah. Go ahead, Kel. Well, another thing that's so uh, disappointing about it is, you know, Johns wrote Infinite Crisis. And there's not like a lot of nuance in that, but, you know, it it deals with a lot. And even, you know, as I recall, even reading those eight issues, you know, which were jam-packed of stuff. You still got a ton, you know, uh, but here it's like it it feels like very broad strokes to just shove you into the next thing. I think it, I think it's because the fact that they had to do this for the whole line, like the whole line needed to have books. Yeah. So the, the main series feels like a weird backdoor pilot for a whole bunch of minis. <laughs> I, I have a, a, a conspiracy theory probably never know the truth of this i wonder if this concept the flashpoint concept was either a not actually intended to be an event like when originally conceived by jeff or b was conceived as an event but an event similar to blackest night not an event that was going to end dc because if you if you actually look at the content of the book, there's no real reason why we go into the new fifty two. Right. Like it's just it's just what it is. Yeah. Um, the the fact that this is supposed to be the catalyst does not feel like that at all. Like but I, we see I Pandora. Sorry. Do you, do you know about Pandora, Marco? From the new fifty two stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. She's yeah, in this yeah, yeah. and that double page spread. And it was like Wait, is, she big... in, is she in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, at the end? Yeah, at the end. Yeah. That's her. She's like this big mystery character. Like, oh, who's that? Oh, she caused the new 52. She's been in every book yeah. since the beginning. And what is what does Dr. Manhattan just kill her eventually? Like something like that. I mean, later yeah. on it's revealed that Dr. Manhattan was the reason why yeah. we went into the new 52. Yeah. Didn't yeah. didn't the Batman who laughs? killer or something i still remember her being a Wasn't that a, part of a, metal a, a wet fart of a character yeah you might be right to kill i don't i don't actually remember but she yeah she got jobbed out um let's talk art because we haven't we haven't talked about uh kubert's art andy kubert's art is what i consider to be um dc house style of this time period there are a lot of books that look uh Similar to this, I think Kubert's art is what I think about when I think about DC in these years. Um, maybe that's also got something to do with the fact that he contributed to Morrison's legendary Batman run around the same time. Um, but I think about Kubert. So I really like the Kubert art here. I think uh, especially with the colors, um, which come from Sinclair. I, I think that the, the art is great. I think it pops. Um, I really, really, really can't express enough 
how smart of a decision it was to give this Batman red eyes. So smart to yeah. me. Yeah. Agreed. Um, this this art is solid. And um, I think that I'm a fan of the, the Qberts at large. So I think getting to see them is always a joy. And uh, this this fits into a lot of what ends up being some of the later like new 52 era stuff like i can see some of the beginnings of uh like uh, capullo with like the the inks with the the lines and stuff um i think a lot of that scratchiness comes off here not to the same degree as some of the later artists but i think a lot of that as being like this is the grounding this is the ground floor for or for the the art that is forthcoming um just good stuff. It's funny how you mentioned that Cubert reminds you of like DC of the time. For me, it's the opposite. Cubert reminds me of Marvel at the time. Um, when mm-hmm. I think of Cubert, I think of Marvel, hundred percent. What was Cubert doing at Marvel at the time? Cubert uh, had done X Men in the the nineties into two thousands, and he's done Conan. He did you know Cable. He did GI Joe. He did yeah, Wolverine. I remember too, Wolverine yeah. is the one I remember reading more more of that time. The, okay uh, yeah the wolverine uh origin yeah 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 yeah. and that, yeah, that was yeah. like that was the that was like one of my entry books surprisingly into comics properly um so uh once i read this again i totally forgot Hubert was the artist of this book to be honest um jumping into it i was like oh hell yeah this is this is what i like i, I love andy Hubert, uh one of my favorite mm-hmm. artists um so I just it, it almost felt like a dirtier DC in my mind, which is fits perfectly for flashpoint. Um, mm. because it's a little scratchier. It's a little, a little uglier. Um, like even Barry never looks as, you know, his suits always ripped to shreds. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a, a slab of pastrami after he gets electrocuted. Like he never looks like, you know, like classic DC that hurts to do that voice. Um, but, uh, it's, cool to see Kubert in this because it kind of I think it, it leans into the story and the theme of the story it um it it doesn't look as sculpted as uh the Jim Lee figures do in exactly the, yeah you know yeah. in the in the new 52 um which I I think is interesting because uh Jim Lee Jim Lee felt m- more like what they wanted the house style to be at the time because of like batman hush um and so i want to say alex and claire worked with lee a lot uh so for me the colors here feel more house style and that's what sinks it into there were there were there were moments where especially especially at the end but throughout the book where i was like oh this this could be lee Hmm. i felt that too yeah it felt a lot like new 52 lee you know like uh, justice league and then further on is uh his um superman unchained oh yeah that too yeah yeah ivan reese Mm -hmm. yeah all those guys yeah exactly uh, that said, I I felt sometimes like the bigger action set pieces 
Um, the scope of things was sometimes hard to really take in. Um, and I didn't, I didn't feel that the bigger action set pieces looked all that great. Um, I, I kind of wished for more splashier, um, you know, widescreen panels for some of this stuff. Some of these moments, I think, lose it when they're so tight um, or feature so many characters, but you can't really tell who's doing what. I'm holding up a great example right now. Um, that's just one panel, but it's like, you know, who's doing what? Who's, you know, who's fighting? This is the last time we're supposed to see a lot of these characters. I would have liked to have really been able to immerse myself a bit more in the battle that they're in this is the last battle in dc um and i didn't get that feeling so that would be my only real ding on the art i mean the art suffers the same issue that the writing does it's yeah too compressed yeah and and it has to create moments that will basically live in other books you know, so there's not a ton of emotional weight to them either. Yeah. What do you What do you mean by that? Like the well, grilled like rod the, stuff. Like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So or he pulls, the, he pulls uh, a Gandalf, but like, there's no context to it. If I'm not mistaken, Aquaman kills Wonder Woman. Uh, and if you're reading that, that's a absolutely huge moment. But, you know, in this, it's like, oh, yeah. it's <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Marco, which, yeah. Um, which minis did you read? Uh, so I read Flashpoint section here. I read, I tell you. Uh, so the Furies, uh, Wonder Woman and the Furies. Um, I read Flashpoint, Deadman and the Flying Graysons, which no, uh, not related at all. But excellent story. I had a lot of fun with that one. I remember liking that one, yeah. Um, I did I've been Sir the Green Lantern. I knew the first two issues of that one though. Um didn't read the Secret Seven stuff. There was like two more that I read. Uh the first issue of Deathstroke and the Gorilla Grod book. So out of all of them, you skipped the one about uh the magic side of the DC universe. Wow. Oh, Flashpoint and Flashpoint. Uh Flashpoint, the world of Flashpoint. Oh, Which that was I went, like a that, grab bag, right? That I don't know, I don't know, but that that helped to like uh, paint some of the picture of what the you, the governments, the world governments were doing at the time, and they're like randomly Nazis in Brazil and stuff. Like, so a, a uh, lot of this. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, not just a flashpoint issue, <laughs> uh, but uh, but a lot of them like helped to add a lot more context, and um, I think. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that deserve to be in the the book proper. Yeah, um, let's talk about the the end here. Uh, you know, Batman is down to team up and fight this war. You know, if the Flash can't change history, then this could be the world that they're stuck with, and so they decide that they've got to fight for this world. And again. You know, the decision is really up to Batman. If Batman says, I'm down, they can win. If he's not down, they're not going to win. Um, so Batman, again, is the actor here, not the Flash. But um, 
he makes the choice to to you know stick around and fight the good fight. They get into this battle. They rescue Superman, who's you know never seen you know the outside world before. Who um, needs to touch grass for real? Never man. touched grass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is what happens. This is what happens. I used to look like this uh, when I was uh, uh, fifteen years old. You were white. Grass. Yes, that's a big secret about me. Wow. I'm transracial. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So they rescue him, and and he, you know, screws off. Um, and we get a, you know, we get the big battle that we talked about, and it's you know at the center of it, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, their armies. It's really difficult to conjure up care about that aspect of it because there's just nothing to it. Um, I really love Captain Thunder. The moment where he gets uh separated where they all get separated by the enchantress i thought that was pretty cool hmm. um and then it just comes down to a fight between flash and reverse flash professor professor zoom um that stuff i liked but once again it's like yeah yo that shit was weak i don't know what you're talking about man that shit was weak like I it, it popped up and like that was the the fine like the the reveal where he all of a sudden he pops up at the at the end of issue four I was like oh shit we're gonna like yeah stuff's going down all right cool I'm in uh, and then they like throw a few punches and then it's not even him don't turn what is it don't stop moving when you're uh, in war and he just gets stabbed by Thomas come on okay sure yeah I like I that all right you know why you know why I'll tell you why. Because Jeff Johns chooses to deliberately use a trope at the start of this fight, which is the trope of the villain chatterboxing. And he's so sure that he won that it doesn't matter because the Flash is his villain. All of this is about the Flash. Batman wouldn't kill. Who's going to kill him? Who can stop him but the Flash? It's the guy who's different. It's the guy who's not going to stand around and listen to this horseshit. The guy who's not a traditional hero just stabs him. That's what that's what would happen if this version of Batman came across the Joker, Two-Face, whoever. I love that he does that. Poked a hole right through, the, right through my sails. Wow. No, you guys aren't sold on that? You didn't like that? <laughs> Kale's so, silent. Kale looked like he was he was winding one up. Yeah, I, you're right. Um, but I think I think the the reverse flash stuff, especially at the time, it really uh, it really reeked of you know the hero has to have this mirror uh, villain that's going to absolutely ruin his life, and it just like you know we just come out of. Green Lantern with the Sinestro Corps War and you know all this stuff was happening um and 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 this was uh the first phase of the Marvel stuff too uh the the films so you know you have your your Thor and your Loki and your Captain America and the Red Skull and Iron Man Iron Monger. Iron Man and the Iron Monger. Um, and it's just like it, it was a repetitive thing that was really, you know, when you think about it, it makes absolute sense. The problem was that everyone was doing it. It was really coming to head here. Uh, 
Man of Steel and and uh, Zod. Uh, it was just I mean, that might have been before this, after this. Um, but it was just it was so it, mid. You know, not <laughs> just kill, like not kill using a, a a Gen Z term. Did I do? Did I do it right? You did. Yeah, congrats. It felt wrong coming out, but um, yeah, it just didn't have the weight that a Uberd Thon a Yobird Thon story should, because this is the Reverse Flash. This is it. Wasn't Flash Rebirth a Uberd Thon story as well? Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't very good either. Oh, actually, I remember <laughs> loving it, honestly. But. No, well, and I mean, I've already explained my relationship to it, but it's the same yeah, same fair, thing. Fair, fair. Let's talk about the final scene between Barry and his mother. Because I kind of struggled with this one. Um, so let's 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 actually dive into it. He lands at her porch and he's like, Mom. And she goes, what are you wearing? What are you doing here? Did you hear the report on the news? They say this is the end. He says, it is, Mom, and it's all because of me. Uh, and she says, it's so hard to believe, Barry. She said, He says, I know, Mom. I changed the world for the worse. But there has to be a way I can save everyone, including you. His mother says, Barry, if you stopped yourself, he says, even if I wanted to go back in time and stop myself, I can't accurately travel to the past without a machine called the Cosmic Treadmill. She says, now she's the most brilliant mother on earth. I know we all love our mothers and everything else. We all think our mothers are the greatest people. She is a legit genius because she says, but you were drawn back to me when you started to break the time barrier, like a lightning rod. If you focus on yourself, wouldn't you be drawn to the right time? It's like, it's like, it's like, when, it's like when you, uh, uh, you open the fridge, and you're like, I can't find the ketchup. And then, like, she walks over, and it's like, it's right here. <laughs> it just was one of those moments where it's like, the character has the answer to every question possible. Something that she wouldn't know. How is she even accepting all this? Um, she's, like, act, she's taking this extremely well. Um... I wish the moment could have had more impact. I think it was sullied by the fact that they had to do so much, you know, um, plot work, I guess. Um, but her last line, her last lines of you have to let me go, Barry. He says, I don't want to. She says, neither do I, but I'll be with your father. I'll be okay. That, that hit me. I felt that. He gets what every superhero who has the tragic backstory never gets, which is the moment with the person that he lost. He made a big mistake by changing everything to make himself happy, to get his mother back. Would Spider-Man not do the same thing? You know, would, would Batman not do the same? Would these characters... If, if they had the power to do it, not make the same choice. We get that answer a little later with Batman, um, where Batman says, I would do the same thing and don't think I haven't thought about how to get that done. Yeah, dude, that was cool. But what human being alive would not choose to go back in time 
and undo their primal wounding. Like, forget about a superhero. What person? It's the easiest thing to connect with. We connect with these characters because of their tragedies and triumphs. Well, here's a guy who has the possibility to undo one of his tragedies. Of course he takes it. Hmm. It's a lot of trips the past. Yeah, I get it, and I felt it. I connected with it, and I understood through that conversation and his conversation with Bruce later what this story is really about, and I felt it. I, I think if they had spent more time with the mother, I would have gotten to a place of that emotional resonance. Yeah. But this just I, I two pages, you know, like, and, and I'm supposed to feel something deeper about this loss uh, who with this character who, frankly, I have not spent any time with. So I'm, I'm put in the situation. And I, I think your point is salient, like you're putting this put uh, onto this page to this position to, to want to care. Um, but I, it didn't. It just didn't ring true with me. I, I didn't have the. I didn't feel the initial love. I'm just being told that they love each other. Well, I also thought about the writer, and I thought about Jeff's real experience with grief and the death of his sister, and how that has influenced him. And I thought, geez, what if Jeff was Barry? What if Jeff had the powers of the Flash? Wouldn't he make that choice? Um, you know, all those different things gave it some value to me, but I agree with you also that, you know, the implications are there, but the groundwork isn't necessarily there. I think I, much like the rest of this story, I think, I think the emotional weight comes from uh, Bruce and Bruce getting the letter, you know, from, from Thomas, uh, because frankly, that's a character that we've, lived with his entire publication history you know since 1939 80 million universes ago we've lived with that character without his parents that long you know barry's parents were only just invented you know um so so that i think that's where we're supposed to really feel the emotional weight Dude, I lost it reading that this time around. Um, and I think it does say a lot. You know, you make a great point that, that you know, the real emotionally resonant moment of this series lies with Batman. We discussed earlier how Batman is the primary actor in this series. He's the one who makes the relevant decisions, yada, yada, yada. So, of course, the emotional payoff lies with him. That moment is, uh, to me, stellar. Um, because we know what it means to Batman. He didn't get to meet his father. And frankly, had he met his father, he wouldn't have even liked his father. At least not that version of his father. But getting a message of, I love you, you know, from your dad. Um, we don't get to read the whole message here. I think they show it to us later on um, in a later series. Tyler, we get it in, on the button, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I loved. Is, yeah. I love the button. Um, I don't remember the context of the full message, but I think it's like, I'm proud of you. And, you know, you can just imagine after everything that Bruce has been through to be able to receive a message like that from his dad would mean the world. Mm. You've been absolutely hating this book. I went, all right, that's a good moment. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good part. For Sean, did you ever read the uh, Tom King 
run on Batman. Yeah, I referenced it earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I really loved. Oh, you you Sorry? liked you liked his uh uh because it's a very different uh take on this character for the so, one that you're saying you love right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I don't I didn't finish that, so I don't know where it ended up. But I but of what mm-hmm. I remember, mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome the way he was utilized. I think. He was actually an antagonist. He was teamed up with Bane, um, and uh, I thought I thought all that was pretty cool. And I, again, I really okay. liked him in Flashpoint Beyond as well. Huh. They almost seem like opposites in my head, but I think the character is cool. I, I agree. I agree. So, all in all, I think for me, Flashpoint is a seminal book for the Flash character. If you care about the Flash, it's probably a book you you will have written. I see. I see Kale and Tyler not loving what I'm saying. I was just watching Kale's reaction. He gave a stank face there. <laughs> well, go ahead. I think they want it to be a seminal story, <laughs> and I think had it not been the thing that ends the DC universe, it could have been. I will, a solid I, arc. I will strangely say that having the skeleton of this as a story without the need to help relaunch an entire comic book universe, which is also sort of the plot of the movie. Yeah. Is getting me like, oh man, maybe the movie can do it better. Dang. Come on, maybe. It's a go. big maybe. It's a big maybe. I mean, if they didn't have a criminal fronting it. I completely agree with you, but you might—they—they they, might—they might steal the show or steal by or all and other things. By all accounts, um, Tyler, everything I've seen leads me to agree with that sentiment. I do believe it, and like I said at the top, I think the bones of this are very excellent. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff Johns is a master of this—you know, a big event storytelling—and we've seen success from him in this avenue many times before. So to me, the anomaly here about the quality of this book has more to do about everything around it and the constraints and editorial mandates and things like that than what Johns or Kubert or anybody else involved in this book um, actually were allowed to do or what they brought to the table. I think this is a book where the, um, the moments are not as good as the sum of its part or the book is not as good as the sum of its parts is what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? Like there are great moments that stand out and that clearly keep getting recreated and you know, all of that. But I don't think the, the overall package itself is representative of what you could have expected from a DC event at this time. Yeah, absolutely. Any other final thoughts? Oh, uh, and I would recommend this to anybody who is excited about the movie um, and wants to see how it was done first. I always heard this being like this huge point into the in the DC universe. And having read it, I think it's lost a bit of that sort of luster for me. Um, I think it's I think it's a solid enough story to to want to read and it being 
kind of like the you know the textbook DC title in the 20, 2010s. And I, I think it makes sense to be able to tackle. But um I'm hoping they're better more more engaging and um more cohesive flash arcs and flash stories because this is a starting point i think is enjoyable enough but if if the there is potential for even more then that that's exciting to me i'd recommend it if you want to read um all the big event books like as like a a checklist thing but uh, otherwise not sure I'd, I would recommend it. It, it really kind of doesn't matter, if that makes sense. Um, it doesn't really matter for the Flash, really. Like, the Flash trucks on after this, you know. Um, and he's really the only character. Like, like even Thawne comes back right away. Like, um, so, like, not even the, the one death that happens that might have mattered uh, doesn't. So, um... Yeah, I would say if you're a completionist, check it out, though. I wouldn't recommend this at all. I hate this book. Wow. Ah. And I'm mad that every Flash interpretation has to have it now. Sucks. <laughs> Tell us how you read if you're okay. You guys think it's weird? Uh, last question. You guys think it's weird that DC chose to end the DC universe with a flash book and not final crisis. Yeah. Especially now after having read this, <laughs> I don't think yeah. they knew they were ending it with final when they had final crisis going on. I'm shit. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they had whole Dick Grayson going on at that point. And he was Batman for years after that. You know, like, but, but Sean, is your point that the final crisis story would have been told here in its place, or you're just saying there would have been another Final Crisis esque, like like a, what, what a book, a book that you know is called Final Crisis, um, that Should features Final Crisis, yeah, that features all the characters. Seems like a pretty good place to wrap it up. <laughs> mm. Um, a much better place than this, certainly. Yeah, and yeah. maybe they knew, maybe they didn't know, um, but I. I think this book suffers from the fact that it just doesn't make sense that it would even end this way. I I feel like I've heard rumors that something happened in Final Crisis in the midst of like publishing it and everything that they didn't want to end it there. I don't remember what that rumor is, but I, I feel like there is a reason that I've heard before. Well, damn, Kale, you're turning me on. I might have to go learn all about this. I mean, I wouldn't Excuse be surprised me? if it was just the success of Morrison's run on Batman and needing to continue it. That could be. That could be. Um, like, think yeah, about all the I other mean, Morrison stuff we got. You know, we got their take on, you know, Dick Grayson and, and Damien. We got, you know, Batman yeah. Returns, uh, Batman Inc. There was still a lot of stuff. We got so much of that after the fact of this anyways. Like, they continued to tell Batman stories the exact same way. Yeah, but it, that almost felt like an anomaly. No, they did it with Green Lantern, too. Mm. Yeah. Fair. Uh, but They picked yeah, and chose. Blackest Night happened between Final Crisis yeah. and, and this, didn't it? Yeah. I think you're right, yeah. 
and brightest day. So that that's that seems like too many giant editorial decisions to to know. New fifty two always felt like a in case of emergency break glass situation. In my eyes. Um hmm. or something. I don't know what sales were like at the time, but it just it, it seemed like a, a need to capitalize on social media, on buzz, on the internet. Um Decent, yeah, I also think, decent actual marketing around it as well. I also think it was inspired by the fact that the film universe was coming. Fair. Um, and they wanted a clean slate for these characters who, you know, are as steeped in history as Marvel's are, but for some reason, Marvel's characters are uh it feels like maybe maybe that's because of the ultimates, but it feels like it's easier to just say, Hey, yeah, we're doing movies with Iron Man. Who cares? Read the comics, they're there too. Like they didn't, they didn't do a ton. Like they elevated Iron Man, but they didn't do a ton to like, you know, clean up his origin or reboot him or anything like that. It was pretty much just the same dude for the most part. Yeah. Um, and that's consistent for all of the Marvel universe in those early years, whereas DC tore everything down and built it back up, um, to make these characters feel palatable. Yeah. I think so much of what we know as Marvel was invented in the 60s, right? With the exception of like Captain America. Whereas everything in DC started in the 1930s, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and there have been countless retcons and, you know, uh, resets and multiverses and multiverse shrinkage and blow blowing up and you know aliens invading and then uh, retreating and then gods and then swamp things and then demons and you know i think i think with with dc they their strength has always been iterating on the history and 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 we see that you know even through the different types of batman movies right i think their uh, their failure came when they wanted to establish a universe in that iteration of like the nolan films right they wanted to make a house style out of the nolan films so they went to zack snyder with man of steel but that's not what the dc properties are Yeah, uh, we know how that went. So we're preparing on our end for, you know, the Flash to, for this story rather, to be adapted into the Flash movie. Um, we're excited to be on the other side of that and know how that goes. You'll be able to listen to our review of that when we do it. Um, it will be up on this channel or, you know, wherever it is that you listen to us, all podcast hosting platforms will have that review and all of our other content. So if you want to keep up with us, we are on all social platforms at the Comics Pals. If you like this, leave us a like, leave us a follow, a subscription, wherever it is that you uh, take us in. We appreciate you. Watch our show live, our main show, the Comics Pals podcast, every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. Our review show, where we review comic books, every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Don't want to miss any of that stuff. We have a whole backlog of book clubs. I guarantee you, 
you will find book club episodes for books that you like. So go check those out. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we're the Comic Spouse signing off. Take care, guys. See you next month.